Well, hello everybody. I'm Hal. And I'm Melanie. And we want to welcome you to another episode of Making Biblical Family Life Practical. Here in our coronavirus lockdown. Yeah, everybody talks about being bored and we are literally running ourselves ragged. Uh-huh. You know, all these conferences that we go to in the spring, many of them have tried to pivot and go to online conferences and four of them, count it four, decided to do it this week. Yeah, yes. we we had to, I think we had to gather and, and send out like 13, 17 workshops yeah, or something. Wow. I mean, we were recording and recording and recording and wow. But, but you know, it's everybody is is on the alert and there's a lot of folks looking for help. And oh, I'm so glad to do it. We, I'm so glad to do it. Not complaining. But just, we're a little tired, a little overwhelmed. So tonight we're going to talk about something fun. Because we know that some of you are working harder than you ever had and some of you are sitting around saying, now what? Because you don't have a lot of extra stuff going on. And even if you're working yourself to death, you may need to read something interesting before you go to sleep at night. That's what I, I do. Well, I have insomnia and I cannot go to sleep unless I read at night. And, and so we thought this might be a good time because people have I've seen people out on social media saying, tell me what to watch next. I binge watch everything on Netflix. What? Do, well, <laughs> let's talk about books. We're, we're book people. And so what? All right. Let me ask you this question. Okay. Totally unprompted, unprepared. What are you reading right now? I am actually reading a science fiction series mm-hmm. by David Weber. Okay. And um, and really enjoying it. Yeah, I don't agree with all of it. He doesn't handle it like I would some things, but mm-hmm. I'm actually, I'm enjoying it a lot. It's an honor hearing the series. Okay. You, you can't great. just hand it to your kids. Okay. But it's a, it's a good read for grownups. Okay. The reason I say that is he deals with some religious issues. And actually, yeah. in a in a pretty fair way, uh-huh. um, at least he doesn't discount religion, but still, it's yeah. I think it's confusing to kids. Okay, all right. I'm reading. You know what I'm reading? What? I'm reading a biography of Calvin Coolidge. Woo! Doesn't that sound that exciting? Sounds so boring. <laughs> okay, that We're sounds gonna... like a crashing bore. Oh no, no, it, it's actually it's quite good. But we're going to talk a little bit about our different tastes in books after the break, but I thought we'd just kick off with some of the things that we both have discovered we liked and especially series, because this is a, this is a binging season and people want to know, can I read five or 10 books by this person? Yes. Isn't it amazing to discover an author that you like Mm -hmm. and then to find out that they wrote a ton of books. I'm like, Oh, that's like magic, you know, because you, you know, you're going to like it. And, and it just goes on and on and on. It's like when you buy the really big bag of M&Ms. Okay. <laughs> All of the colors. Okay. The colors. I think one of the first series that we discovered together was when, as I recall, I think you were on bed rest with our first child. I think it was. No. You don't know I, the one I, I was going to say. Yes, I do. And I know where we found it. Okay. What what did you think I was about to say? You're about to say Dorothy Sayers. No, I wasn't. We were. What no, were you going to say? I was going to say Earl Stanley Gardner. Now, okay. I think the first series we actually enjoyed together mm-hmm. was Harriet series. Yeah, but I had, I had practically memorized those in school, and, and I think I introduced you to them. You did introduce me to them. Okay, okay so do you so know the James Harriet books? James Harriet. Okay, you... the first one is All Creatures Great and Small, mm-hmm. and it's the story of a vet in the Yorkshire Dales 
started mainly during the depression during in 1930 i think they are a blast they are so good they are they are one of those kind of semi-autobiographical things he he fictionalized actual people and some of the people you know some people really did exist and recognized themselves in the books and thought it was great but it just the the whole culture of you know coming in as an outsider into the yorkshire dales back when it was still horse-drawn plows and horse-drawn wagons and lots of veterinary work out in the fields literally and uh he's got a really gentle sense of humor and some of the stories are just they're just very oh, good the, very some good. of them will bring you to tears some of them you will laugh out loud they are a blast mm. our kids love them so much mm-hmm. that Three of our adult sons were in Europe this year, and mm. they specifically traveled out to the Dales to see Skeldale House and mm. where he practiced because they just love it so much. Yeah. And these are some that you can hand your kids. There is some drinking. There's, and but there's a couple. When it happens, yeah. they get really, it, they end up in embarrassing situations, and yeah. so it's it's not at all tempting. <laughs> no. Okay, so James, yeah, James Harriet. The first one is called All Creatures Great and Small. And yes, that was the inspiration for the BBC series, which is also good. Yeah, and it's appropriate for kids too. And yeah. he t- he wrote a ton of them. He wrote several. Yeah, so okay. Well, no, that was, that was, yeah, James Harriet, very definitely. Now, yeah. I was going to say, when you were on bed rest, I went, we were, I was in the Air Force right then, and I went to the library on base to try to find something to read. And I think this is the first time I actually read a book by Earl Stanley Garner. Yeah, I think that was the first time I had too. I love the Perry, the old Perry Mason series. Yeah, on the TV. old black and white with Raymond yes. Burr as yeah. the great attorney. Well, the books are even better. They're it's kind of a popcorn read. You know, they're they're easy, fast reads. Well, Garner Garner was an attorney himself, yes. and he started writing these these legal stories because he said, "I want a book." that a tired businessman could sit down and read in an evening. Yeah. Now it's still it's a chunk. I mean, he's talking 200 page book, but, right. but it, they're meant to be entertaining, to move around, to be interesting books, you know? Yeah. And uh, if you like the old black and white TV series, it's very much like the books because uh, Earl Stanley Garner was a consultant for the series and actually appeared as a judge on some of the episodes. So, so he was very much involved with it. Um, so any of the Earl, any of the Earl Stanley Garner stories feature. They're great. Animation. They're fantastic. And yeah, they have some some questionable situations because generally nice people don't murder or get murdered. That's true. <laughs> but, That's true. But they're good. The good guy, the good guy always wins. Right. Yeah. Now back to the one you started to say. Dorothy Sayers. Dorothy Sayers, which I think may be one of the one of the, if not the best popular novelist in the English language. Ever. I mean, Ever. Just Every golden word. <laughs> She's great. Yeah. Her characterizations are brilliant. They're mm-hmm. it's funny. They're well they're well plotted. Twisty plots. Yeah. Her mysteries. Her, her character, her main character, is uh, the younger son of a nobleman. He's Lord Peter Whimsy. Lord Peter, being the younger son, doesn't inherit the title, so he's not the duke of anything. And and yet he has a little bit of his own fortune, and he's invested well. So. He doesn't have to work, really. It's, it's the gentleman detective genre. He just is a curious sort and likes to figure things out. And so he becomes sort of a private detective. They are in, they are the best written novels you can imagine. They're just written, written so perfectly. They're like a symphony. And they are there's so many literary illusions in them. Oh, because, and they're fun. They're just because fun. Lord Peter is an Oxford 
you know, he's an Oxford uh, graduate and yeah. very well educated in the old classical tradition. So you'll see you'll references. Catch a lot of stuff. You'll catch a lot of stuff. She wrote, I think, nine novels. And then um, some of her in uncompleted stuff was was finished after her death. And, and those are they're OK, but they're, they're not, not Dorothy Sayers. Favorite. But those, yeah, those first nine. Now, now, Dorothy Sayers was part of what they call the golden age of, of detective fiction. Mm -hmm. And this is the time that really the big names and mysteries all wrote. Mm -hmm. And many of them knew each other. Okay. So, and like, so um, well, Agatha okay. Christie. Agatha Christie. Dorothy Sayers. Yes. Nia Marsh. Now, she's interesting because Nia Marsh was a young woman from New Zealand who was living in London at the time. And she had read a couple of the Lord Peter stories. And she said one rainy afternoon on a weekend, she thought, I wonder if I could write a story like that. And so she, she said she ran across the street to a stationer and bought a, bought a, a lined pad and a new pencil and went home and kind of sketched out what kind of, what kind of detective would I like to put in my stories? And so she invented a Scotland Yard inspector detective. Inspector Allen. Inspector and there has Allen. been a couple of movies, yeah. of television series made about him and, too. And so she was definitely inspired by Dorothy Sayers. At the time, Dorothy Sayers was brand new and hot off the press. And her, her detective stories, she actually wrote, I think 30 or 32. Yeah. A great number of stories. And again, you know, the, there's two things I like about detective stories. You know, okay. that one of them is that they they are all based, at least the ones that I like, they're based on the idea that there is justice in the world. Yes, there is real objective truth and it can be found out and justice can be achieved in this world. That's one thing that I like. The second thing I like is I like a story that has a character who is fundamentally decent. Yes. Okay. And that's the thing. I, I, I don't see, like that's what I like about both Dorothy Sayers and Niall Marsh about Lord Peter and Inspector Allen. Yeah. And, They're, and something that some of Agatha Christie's I like some of them. I don't, I like Hercule Poirot. Yeah. I don't like some of hers because the, the heroes are not true heroes. Not very heroic. Yeah. Yeah. But Niall Marsh is awesome. Mm. She, if you like the theater, uh, Several of hers take place in theater life because she was a theater director. That was, yeah, that was real, yeah. really her love. Okay, so, now we've mentioned several of the Golden Age. We haven't yes. mentioned yet Rex Stout. Rex Stout's an interesting one. It also um, is very um, fun and fast moving and also literary. And his, um, and he's like now Marsh. He started writing in the like late 30s, early 40s when the first in the in the great series started and i think he was writing up until the late 60s at least yes so and, his main and he wrote a ton of them his main character is a an eccentric guy by the name of nero wolf yeah almost a hermit he never leaves his house and i, I mean he's a he's a nut honestly but he's a brilliant nut <laughs> and the stories are told by his um his right hand man his right hand man who, Archie Goodwin. who's an all-american kind of guy who does all the legwork for it and, ne and Nero Wolf sits back there and he reasons things out. And he says, you need to go talk to this person. Or you need yeah. to go, let's lay a trap for that person. And you, you kind of have to like Archie enough to get around <laughs> Nero Wolf. It's I, think. A, I love the, the Nero Wolf okay. I love them. Okay. Okay. So, so we mm -hmm. all enjoy those. Now, those all those are from the golden age of detective fiction. Those are kind of classic And if you like stories. mysteries. You have you are doing yourself a disservice if you haven't read Golden Age authors because there are so many of them and they are brilliant. 
Now, let's talk about some more Let's talk about some moderns. Okay. This is one that I think was made. I think Angela Lansbury was the character, wasn't she? Didn't they make some of the story? Okay. The story is Mrs. Polifax. Mrs. Polifax is so much fun. Okay. Mrs. Polifax is an older widow who just gets so bored and distressed with her boring life that she begins to feel suicidal. So she decides instead to join the CIA. So she's and volunteer. Sort of she's accidentally, uh-huh. you know, they think she's a kook, but accidentally she gets mistaken for somebody else. She ends up working for them. Mm-hmm. And it is just a hoot. It and is so much fun. So she's so she's like an older an older widow who's like the head of her garden like club. Like your librarian. Your typical. <laughs> but she also takes karate lessons. Okay. Yes. So she's an older lady who knows karate. And she she goes all over into these, you know bad countries as a tourist, you know, doing secret work for the CIA. And, and, you know, she just plays this whole, this whole innocent elderly tourist bit to the hill. And it's fascinating how, how, you know, it's fun stuff. It is really fun. fun. It, it, that again, no. it's popcorn stuff, but it's really fun. Now those are by Dorothy Gilman. Dorothy Gilman, okay. the Mrs. Paul effect series. There's probably 15 of those at least. I'm yeah. Sure. You now, know, we never tell them how to spell Niall Marston. Never going to find it. Oh by gosh. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's N G A I O Marsh. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's spelled just like it sounds N G A I O. <laughs> it's, it's a New Zealand name. Okay. Yes. It's a Maori name, I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you, you'll see it. It looks Vietnamese, actually, to me. But anyway, um, okay. Now let's here's talk about one. the Hillermans. Now this is an interesting pair. This I is stayed, actually okay. I stayed away from Tony Hillerman for a long time because the titles and stuff it looks spooky, and I don't do horror or supernatural stuff at all. I'm not interested in that we kind of mystery. Don't no. like neither of us care for the occultic supernatural no, not at genres all. at all. Yeah, and I've seen them in the library, and they all had. I knew that they had something to do with the Navajo Nation. And all the covers looked really creepy. Yeah. And they looked like this is a horror novel. And but they had like the first novel in the series, I think it's called The Skinwalker. I thought, whoa, too creepy. But yeah. you know what? what great. I was, but I had a I had a job one time when I was commuting like two hours on a project. And so I'm I'm gathering armloads of audiobooks to listen to as I'm driving back and forth. And I finally, out of desperation and curiosity, I picked up one of the Tony Hillerman audiobooks. Well, it's not creepy at all. No, it's not. not at all. It's just that's the way the art looks. And he says something like in the first book, um, he, he talks a lot about the Navajo culture and the Navajo, the traditional Navajo religion, which does believe in witchcraft. And the uh, the main character is a detective by the name of Joe Leaphorn. He's a Navajo who was who was trained in the the Belagana universities, the white nation in universities. But uh, he says, I don't believe in skinwalkers. That's what they call the witches. I don't believe in skinwalkers, but I believe in people who do. Now, see, that was brilliant because he said, yeah, I don't believe in this stuff, but people believing in it has an impact. And that's so true. That's true of a lot of things. Whether you, Yeah, because you can look at that and say, that's false. It's not a real thing, except people who believe it act as if it is and and that that drives some of their motivations and their actions and that's so, true of a lot of stuff not well, just navajo which that's is true yeah he represented the navajo nation so well 
that they made him an honorary member of the tribe. He's, yeah, he said that was yeah. that was the greatest honor he received. And he got all the detective story honors, but he and said that one being an, being an honorary member of the Navajo Nation was his proudest achievement. Well, I'll tell you, one of my proud achievements is when we were at, in the Navajo Nation yes. last summer, we got to talk to some people there about Tony Hillerman, and that was really cool. Yes, and, and, so, and, and the kind of characteristics in their the way that they communicate and the way they think were borne out by what we saw when we met actual Navajo people, you know, and interacted with them out on the reservation. I remember one time we had a flat tire. That's kind of like the story of our travels. We had a flat tire late one night in Northern New Mexico and I had to get out with the boys and change this tire on the side of a little two lane highway out in the dark in the desert. And it felt like I had stepped into one of his novels. It I mean, really it does. Just, I just like, just, I am in one of his stories alive. right now. Now, so, Tony Hellman died a few years ago. 2008. Do you realize it was that long ago? No, I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, it is. But, but his daughter, Anne, started writing. And I was a little nervous about that because lots of times when people kind of take over a series, they ruin it. But she actually, I may, I think I might like Anne's writing better than Tony's. To be honest, you know, you can see an arc from the first to the last of, of Tony Hillman's novels as he developed his characters. But see, when his daughter Anne starts writing and he told her, you need to pick these up and go after I'm gone. Yeah. Well, when Anne started writing, she already had fully fleshed out characters. She just had to send them forward. Well, and she and, took minor characters, let's like yeah. B-roll characters. Yeah. In um the B-list characters in his novels and made them her main characters. It, it just worked out brilliantly. Yes. Now we have to talk about one more before mm -hmm. we talk about things I like versus you like. Okay. Okay. Alexander McCall Smith. I don't like most of his stuff, but I love the number one ladies detective agency. Now this is an interesting man. Okay. Alexander McCall Smith is a Scottish surgeon, teaches at the medical university in Edinburgh, I think until he retired, but he was raised in Botswana. Yes. And whatever it was called before it had independence. Yeah. But anyway, he grew up in Botswana and loves the culture. And so oh, he just handles it so gently and so respectfully. So he wrote a series starting uh, starting with a book called The Number One Ladies Detective Agency. It's about a woman named uh, Precious Romatswe, a Botswanan woman who inherits a, a herd of cattle from her father when he passed away. And she takes the money from the sale of that cattle and she starts a private detective agency because she picked up a book somewhere about principles of private detection and thought, there, there's nobody doing this in Botswana. I can do this, yes. <clears throat> and the stories are, they're, they're grown-up themes. There are some things in there which yeah. you might want to read first before you get into the children, but they're handled with the sense of there's right and there's wrong and there's things yeah. that, we, that you, you just don't do. And the, we need to correct things and people are people, but we have to, you know, make sure that wrong things are put to right. And Ma, Ma, Ma Ramatsway handles yes. things so well yeah. with so much grace and dignity. It's really awesome. Y'all yeah. read them. It, now we're going to talk in just a second about things. Mm -hmm. Hal likes that I don't and things I like <clears> that he doesn't. But mm -hmm. before that, Lots of times people who read a lot have this idea that they want to write one time sometime. Yes. We have something called the first time author seminar mm -hmm. and it's available downloadable or in, or in DVD. Mm -hmm. And it will walk you through, how do you, how do you figure out what to write about? How do you get that book out of your head and into a manuscript? Mm -hmm. How do you get it edited? How do you get it published? Right. And how do you get it into the hands of readers? And so if you are one of those people who would like to write the great American novel, 
or the next mm. great nonfiction book. Oh, maybe like we have. Maybe you are sitting around your house right now thinking, I have run out of projects. I've cleaned the garage. All the cl closets are great. And I really want to write this book. Hey, this may be your opportunity. So go to raisingrealmen.com slash author 101. And I think the first time author series would really help you. Okay. Now let's talk so about, we're, we're talking okay. about books that we're reading and things that we might recommend or suggest that you would consider during this time when you're spending a lot more time at home, or maybe you need a break from all the exciting news. Now, how and I have, we like a, a lot of the same mysteries, mm -hmm. but we also have some very taste in books. Like I like, action adventure spy novels military fiction i love military fiction i really love military science fiction mm -hmm. i'm kind of an unusual girl i guess yeah. the lord knew i was going to be the mother to six boys i thought you were well prepared for that i have i have <laughs> i can ride i can shoot many, many times many times i thought yes god was preparing you for this mission um your and, and tastes are, are pretty different mine are quite different um i like history and I like biographies. Um, so I read a fair amount of nonfiction. So what are your um, favorite biographies that you've read, Hal? Wow. Well, let me let me back up a little bit why I read biographies. I started reading them actually when we lived in Louisiana. Um, there's so much Civil War history in that part of the country. I thought, let me read a couple of biographies and see if this is all just like people making things up. Well, I read a couple of biographies of men who were men of really strong character men that are very respectable. And I noticed they kept coming back to mind as I went about my daily life. And I was thinking, how would he have handled this? And I thought, wait a minute, this is a positive thing. I yes. really like the idea that the examples of men of heroism and nobility come back to mind when I'm challenged. You know what? I think this is a good thing. And so ever since that, I've tried to look up biographies of, 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 an, improving men, kind. of an improving kind. Yeah. And, and some of them are contemporary biographies. Some of them are modern biographies. Okay. So. Hell, I admire, but I do not emulate. That's okay. I'm not saying that you have to. I read I just... for a different reason. The reason I read is I have horrible insomnia. And if I lay down in the bed, if I think, if what I have to do the next day crosses my mind, the sleep is over. And so I have to read something exciting enough mm -hmm. that I forget what I have to do tomorrow. I can understand that. And so See, I, I go typically... for adrenaline which does not keep me awake what keeps me awake is worrying about what i have to do tomorrow <laughs> well see our sleep cycles are different because if i wake up late in the in the night and if i start thinking about it i can't go back to sleep uh, so i have to you know i can go to sleep that's me in the in early the, part of the night in the, yeah in the evening i can go right to, right to sleep but in the close to morning uh -uh, I, I can't think about it. any rate so um okay some biographies I really like, or maybe some authors that I've really liked. Yeah. Um, I really like David McCulloch. Uh, now, he came I like to my, him too. He, he, wrote, he wrote the biography, John Adams. He is a good the, author. The miniseries was made based on his, on his biography. Well, he makes it live. He yeah. makes it, you feel He's like very, you're living it. And, yeah. and that's, there's several, several of the modern historian slash biographers are really good at telling the narrative. Um, David McCulloch. Um, Stephen Ambrose. He's written a lot more about the 20th century things. Um, although he wrote a very good book, um, Uncommon Valor, I think it was what it was called. But at any rate, it, it was a book about the Lewis and Clark expedition. Fantastic book. Okay. Really good. I like uh, Joseph J. Ellis. Mm -hmm. uh, he wrote one called 
His Excellency George Washington, one of the fantastic biography. Now so, I read a good bit of that one when you had when it was in the bathroom. Oh, okay. That's how, how read each other's books. Oh, yes. <laughs> we leave them in the bathroom. Yeah, and, and you know, and I have a little, I have a little project I do sometimes. Um, every year, I try to find a a longer series to read. So, like um, Edmund Morris wrote a three volume uh, biography of Theodore Roosevelt, and it's probably 4,000 pages. Okay. <laughs> and, and very good. I really like it. Read all the footnotes. They're great. But that's one of those things I do. Like I read Winston Churchill's um, history of the English speaking peoples. It's four volumes. Wow. And it's kind of like how the Churchill family saved Western civilization, wow. but it's, but it's good reading. Uh, my attention span's not that long, <laughs> but now you also like PG Wodehouse. I cannot stand pg at, as as another comedian said now for something completely different <laughs> yeah pg pg woodhouse um he wrote british comedy um oddly enough very clean um his stories it, his stories are centered around a group of young men who are independently wealthy so they've got a lot of idle time and they're they're really pretty stupid but there's a <laughs> but there's a um there's a wise butler by the name of Jeeves and Jeeves can rescue them out of all of their dumb things that they get themselves into. And so it's kind of the, the main plot is um, Bertie Wooster is by his own admission. He is a goofball. Um, he's a wealthy, well-meaning goofball, but he gets himself into really stupid binds. Kind of a literary version of the three stooges. Like, yeah, but there's more only, literate. Yeah, but there's only there's like a bunch of stooges, and then there's one guy who the butler <laughs> Jeeves who gets them out of a jam. And I like them. I, I find them entertaining. I, you do I find not. Them they, stupid. You don't like absurdity. <laughs> I you, know. You have but no yeah, tolerance general, for absurdity. I think guys like absurd humor, and women can't stand it. I tell you why. Why? I think because um, our part of the curse is that that the fields are yielding thorns and thistles for us and we're we're earning our bread by the sweat of our brow and everything opposes us all of creation falls in on us and so the absurdity of our own lives is something that we see echoed in absurd humor and we can laugh at it all right that way we don't cry about it okay my, all my right theory. uh i don't know i'm not gonna be much help for those of you who are looking for chick novels because I can't stand them. I like action adventure, military fiction, spy novels, political thrillers. Mm -hmm. I love Tom Clancy, everything Tom Clancy wrote, with the exception of one book that was complete garbage. His book, the backstory of, mm. of John Smith was horrible. Clark. Clark, John Clark, Clark. I mean. Yeah. The, the backstory of John Clark, that one was yeah. horrible, horrible. But all the rest of all them. All the rest of them were great. Yeah. Um, I love, I don't, I can I read Cleve Cussler, but I love his Organ File series. He wrote about what four series, I think. A bunch of series, a ton of them. A, I know he wrote several. And some are better than others, but I love the Organ File series. He, he just passed away a few months ago. I thought, yeah, and and the whole paper industry went into mourning because he wrote <laughs> he wrote like four or five big novels. Man, a year. I wish I could be as prolific an author as he is. Wow, we would we would have so many books if we could write like him. Yeah. Yeah. You've only now, got one co-author. That's your problem. He's got a bunch of them. <laughs> we know. But. I loved science fiction when I was a teenager, but I went probably 25 years without reading any of it mm -hmm. because so much of it was just complete garbage. A lot of science fiction, they chose that genre 
because they wanted to create a world without God. They'd they like wanted, to, a world with the rules that I write. Right. And so a lot of it is just complete garbage. Mm-hmm. However, one of our sons introduced us to several recently to several science fiction series that are not complete garbage i have really really enjoyed well now i shared one with you that actually you know that actually i enjoyed um was that the john ringo yeah the troy rising yeah the first book is called live free or die yes it is so much fun it's a near future science fiction Uh the idea being that uh alien race comes and they demand tribute from us and we are saved by by old-fashioned capitalism it's a blast republicans in space that's what it sounded like but But it's really fun it was it it has a lot of humor if a lot of entrepreneurial a lot of entrepreneurial stuff stuff. and yeah we're entrepreneurs so we love that your some of your teens, but your guys might read the Schlock Mercenary um, comics online. It's mm. kind of a take off Schlock Mercenary. That's kind of like a pre-story. Yeah, it's like a prequel to Schlock Mercenary. Yeah, I'm not familiar with Schlock, so I didn't really comment. But, <laughs> but a lot of but, teens and, and college age guys read it. Yeah, twenty okay. something. So, so I so, love that. So John Ringo was. We've yes, liked, the you've Troy, liked some of John Ringo. Well, not all of them. No, but I like okay. the Troy Rising series. And he collaborates um, with David Weber on some things. Yes. Now they wrote the March to the Sea series, which I absolutely loved. Okay. And again, it's not perfect. There, you know, there's. That's really a little kind bit of, of a sexuality. Com- kind of a coming of age story, isn't it? It, it really is. It's about a spoiled prince. Yeah. Who finds himself deserted um, with with a, a whole company of soldiers responsible for taking care of him. But now he's got to take care of them mm-hmm. in an alien hostile environment. And yeah. it to see his his growth as a character as he accepts that responsibility and grows into it. Yeah. And it's just pure adventure. So much adventure. It's really fun. OK. And so, yeah, the, that's the March to the Sea series. Um, also, very near future science fiction lash up mm-hmm. by Larry Bond okay. is a blast, and it does it doesn't. Um, I don't know that you can even really call it science fiction. But it's more military fiction. The mm. idea being that a foreign country mm. finds a way to shoot our GPS satellites out of the sky, which greatly downgrades our um, our defense network. Yeah, and so um, they this just a group of science aficionados mm-hmm. work together to create something to fight back. It's really fun. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Now uh, another series I'm enjoying right now. And again, this one too is this one is not something you can hand your kids. Um, it's Lois Bujold McMaster's for series. Okay. And um, again, the characterizations are just brilliant. The, but the reason I say you can't hand it to your kids is there, I don't know. There's just a, a lot that that's nuanced. You know that it's going to take a more mature mind. Mm, okay. There's not that much that's immoral or questionable. It's pretty clean. Mm-hmm. But just I don't know. I, I'd want it, I'd want it to be an older team before you read that. Okay. But the idea is a young man who grows up in a noble family, a leader <laughs> family, but he is damaged while he's in the womb due to a terrorist attack mm. in a society that hates mutants. Okay. And they think he's a mutant. He's not, you know, it's terrible. You know, he was harmed in the womb, not genetically. Okay. But just, but as he kind of fights his way to find his way in that society Mm -hmm. and 
lots of adventure. He ends up a, a mercenary admiral. And, okay. Um, the you you come to know and really love all the characters in it until they feel like they're friends. She's just a an excellent writer, and I love good writers. Well, I remember I remember a comment that um, uh, Isaac Asimov made. Somebody was asking him about science fiction. He's kind of a granddaddy of the science fiction era there, and he said to be good science fiction, it has to be good fiction yes. first. Yeah. And and that's where a lot of things have gone astray where they think, well, if we've got good special effects, then we can have a weak plot as long as there's cool explosions. You know? Well, I, all of those, mm. um, the Oliver series actually is written by a Methodist pastor, but um, mm -hmm. even though it has some questionable things in it, but all of them, have all of these science fiction are written from a basically Christian worldview. Not that they're Christian by any means, no. but the idea that there is right and there is wrong and that you are held accountable for doing wrong mm -hmm. and that good is good and bad is bad. Yeah. And, you know, that's very different from some of the cesspool science fiction that I read as a well, teenager. And, and that's true of some of the some of the mystery novels. And, I, you know, we've yeah. sampled a lot of things trying to find new new series to dive yeah. into. See, we always try and, to find a new author to read every summer when we go to the lake. Y'all know about us going to the lake to write. Right. We try to find a new author to so because that's and, our entertainment and, is reading. And we found some good and we found some that was said, you know what? Yeah, this one is too just much too negative. Yeah, you know, where there's too much uh, ambiguity and situational ethics rather than objective morality involved. And that's, you know, I don't want to fill my mind with that stuff. You so, know, so, so David Weber's Honorverse series is yes. like Horatio Hornblower to the stars. That's okay. It that's is a good... very similar to Horatio Hornblower. Again, in, you know, Horatio Hornblower, there were some questionable things. C.S. Forrester. C.S. Forrester, yeah. And he wrote a number of books, not just those. I mean, not just the Hornblower series. Yeah. Hornblower was actually an inspiration for James Kirk. Yes. Too. Yeah, for okay. Star Trek. Yeah. But C.S. Forrester wrote, like, during the World War II era, he wrote a number of things about, you know, Horatio Hornblower's career during the Napoleonic Wars. And I've read several of those books and, and enjoy them. There's a few things I think, eh, I don't care for that, but it's kind of historic, you know, yeah. from the culture at that time. Um, I loved him. <laughs> I like I liked some of his, I don't know if you've read some of his other books, like The Ship. I didn't like that. it. You didn't like it? I, 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 I love one. the Horatio Hornblower series. I, I didn't the like ship the ship. Was, have you read The Good Shepherd? No, I don't think I've read that one. That's an interesting one. It's written through the eyes of a the son of a Lutheran pastor who is a reserve officer in the Navy. He's in command of a destroyer. He's been passed over for promotion, but because of the manpower crunch, he's been continued. And so he's really a dead-end career. But he's doing his duty and he's doing his job, and it's all through his eyes as he as he's escorting a, a convoy across the sea and fighting for for life, you know, all the way through all of the U-boat attacks and such. And all the way through, the the quotations from scripture keep coming to his mind in the middle of stress, in the middle of pain and suffering. That. It's really good because it, you know it's very real it of Christian like, life. It sounds like um, the sequel to the Sky Pilot. Okay, the the second Sky Pilot book. I didn't read that one yet. Okay, that yeah. one happens in World War One. I. I know the one. Well, maybe we can talk about that another time. Okay. Give us some historical fiction. Okay, that, but, but we have yeah. an audiobook of the Sky Pilot on yes. our website. In fact, we have some of the books 
that have most influenced the people that our adult kids have become. Mm -hmm. These are the books that our kids recommended. You know what? You need to help those be more widespread. So you yes. can check those out. We have a character building audiobook library mm -hmm. that you can get them at a deep discount. In fact, you can download them all and have them right now to listen to with your kids. They're all family appropriate. Oh, yes. Listen to your kids while you're folding clothes or cleaning house or working on the garden. And where can they find these? They can go to raisingrealmen.com slash shop, hit the audiobook tab, and you can see them there. Okay. Now, we've, we've thrown out a bunch of titles okay. and a bunch but of names. I'm We're going to put that in our show notes. Yes, and I'm going to tell you one more thing. One more thing. Because our audiobooks are all in sale right now. Oh, good. And so if you go, to raisingrealmen.com slash home pack, H-O-M-E-P-A-C-K. Mm -hmm. Then you can join our email community there mm -hmm. and get a bunch of free downloads and also get up to 50% off our downloadable audiobooks. So and they get a $10 off Craftsman crate too. So it's it's yep. our here's some help when you're stuck at home. Get freebies. So go to raisingrealmen.com slash home pack, H-O-M-E-P-A-C-K. We better right. go. Hell, we're we gotta, way over time. We're over time, but we hope you've got some good ideas. We'll put these titles and names in our show notes. So check those out at uh, howandmelanie.com slash radio. Yes. And I'll also put the link. If you're watching on YouTube, I'll put the link in the notes on YouTube as well. So until the next time, we thank you for joining us. And I'm Hal. And I'm Melanie. We'll talk to you later, okay? You've been listening to Making Biblical Family Life Practical with Hal and Melanie Young. If you found this program interesting, challenging, and encouraging, why not join us on the web at halandmelanie.com. That's H-A-L-A-N-D-M-E-L-A-N-I-E.com. Or follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook at Facebook slash Hal and Melanie or Facebook.com slash Raising Real Men. This program is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. Join us next week when we'll be back to talk about making biblical family life practical. Until then, thank you and God bless you for listening.